she had just gotten the news. An angel had appeared to her, this young girl. You're the chosen one. You, are, you have been set aside. You have been called blessed, favored by God. You are going to birth the savior of the world. You're going to raise God in the flesh. And Mary went through a, a whole bunch of emotions you and I can't begin to comprehend. But hearing this and, and having this experience with, with this angel sharing this with her, she did what you and I would do. She went to uh, the one that she loved the most and had to tell him about what has happened. And so Mary goes to Joseph and shares all that she's just experienced. This, this interaction with an angel that, that she has been set aside, that she has been called by God to do this. And yet all he can hear is, I'm pregnant. And the thoughts of, that's not mine. And yeah, that's a great story, but it is unbelievable. And so as Mary is sharing this with Joseph, the one that she's legally engaged to marry, she sees not joy on his face, but disappointment, anger, and confusion. And so with a heavy heart, we read that actually Joseph has decided that he's going to quietly, it says, divorce her. He doesn't want to publicly shame her, but he can't move forward with this. There's just no way. And that's the setting that, that we pick up here in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, uh, as it goes right to Joseph, it says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, so Joseph is brought into what's really happening. Joseph finally understands the truth. Uh, an angel delivers him the news, and we see with the news, we see the purpose we see the plan. We see that, that Mary was going to birth the one that, that they had been told about. They actually quote prophecy here so Joseph can understand. This is the one that Isaiah the prophet talked about over 700 years ago. And so Joseph is listening to this, taking this in. But a gift for you and for me is the purpose of Jesus. And we see that in verse 21. It says, she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And it says this, for he he will save his people from their sins. That's what he's going to do. And so Joseph comes away from that interaction just like you and I would. Let's go. This is incredible. This is uh, uh, amazing. 
And, and, and it's in light of that, that that the other interactions that we read about in the Christmas story, they take place and it, and it gives us this perspective and this image of joy that is so powerful, right? Because now when we think about uh, the angels appearing to these shepherds uh, out in their fields and, and the angel appears and says, hey, I bring you good news of, of great joy that will be for all the people, it says, that's the good news of great joy, is that Jesus was coming and for the, that he'd arrived for the very purpose of saving them. Okay, in John 3, 16 and 17, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And it says in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's the purpose. You know, often we hear the word joy and we think about happiness. But when we think about our version of happiness, there's a difference between the joy that the Christmas story talks about and the happiness that you and I experience. See, those two things aren't the same. See, happiness is a good thing, right? Like, I don't know, it's Christmas Eve, what do I say? Yes, happiness is good, right? We, we pursue it, we look for it, we actually identify those people that make us happy and, and we try to uh, have them in our lives, right? Those are the people we call when we're having a down day or a rough time. We're like, man, I need to talk to so-and-so. They are just bright and bubbly and they're gonna make me happy. Okay, um, and so there's activities we do. There's uh, hobbies that we have that we do because it just makes me uh, happy. But when you look at happiness in our definition of happiness, isn't happiness fragile? It can break so easily, can't it? I mean, someone can take happiness from you in a second, I, I was, you know, the other night I was driving and, and I was having a good evening. Like, like, I think I was even driving with a smile on my face. You know, Christmas music's blaring in the car. I'm just caught up in the whole experience, right? And I pull into the parking lot at a grocery store. And I clearly, with joy on my face, have my indicator light on that says, that's the spot I'm going to take. And, and somebody just, I hope they're here tonight, whips, whips around. And just jumps right into that spot. And, and those are the moments as a pastor where I just go, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. But immediately, that person, whoever you are, stole my joy, stole my happiness, right? My happiness was gone in that moment. And, and you guys, how often does that happen for us? I'm happy and then one conversation, gone. One email comes, a work email, and it's like, oh, no. One text message, and that fragile happiness is taken away from us, right? But what we see from biblical joy, the joy from this Christmas story, the joy that God offers us, we see that it's not fragile. We see that it doesn't break. And here's the greatest part about it. God wants you to have it. He wants you to have it. In, in John 15, 11, these are Jesus's words. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 
In, in, uh, in Psalm 1611, David, who writes this, he says, you make known to me the path of life. And he says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Now, now you say, that's great. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad that God is wanting me to have this. But what really is the difference between this joy we're talking about and the happiness uh, that I desire in my life? Uh, What you need to understand is when you start to unpack joy in Scripture and even in the Christmas story, you see something different. Because we see moments and interactions that, 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 that we go, man, that, that doesn't align with my view of happiness. Uh, for example, in, uh, in the book of Acts, we see that, that these Jesus followers who, who are excited about the message, they've been selected to go and to, to share it into these uh, different towns and in these cities. And we, we see an interaction where uh, some of the leaders uh, arrest these Jesus followers, and, and they're beaten for sharing their faith, and they're rebuked and, and, and said, told, don't do this anymore or else. And it, and it says that they went away rejoicing over that experience. And you go, well, that doesn't align with my view of happiness. And it like continues on. Like in James, it talks about count it all joy when you suffer. And it's like, well, that's the wrong spot for joy to be. We, we read in Hebrews chapter 12 where, where it talks about Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, and we're to look at him, and it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And, and, and I look at that and I go, well, that's very, very different than my view of happiness. Why? Because the joy that we see here, the joy that is offered to you and me, is not based off your circumstances. See, this is a different kind of joy. This is a joy uh, that only God can give. We see in Galatians 5, we see these fruits of the Spirit, and, and, and it goes love, and then it says joy. And what those are is those are gifts that, that the Spirit of God gives to followers of his. And and what I love about it is when you unpack the definitions of of what these look like, you see so many cheap imitations of that in our society. And yet he says, this kind of joy that I want to give you, it's something you can't produce on your own. It's something only I can give you. Because for you and I, the joy that we produce, it can be once again taken. It's, it, it aligns with that happiness description. And, and when I think about the, the time that we're in, uh, the struggles, and, and man, I get to talk to a lot of people and pray for people. And I hear stories that are just so difficult that people are trying to navigate. And, and I think about this season. I go, man, you know, this is a difficult season for a lot of people. There's a lot of you in this room that you're in a, in a really difficult season in your life. This is, this is a tough uh, time. And, and, and maybe you would say the last description of this time in my life is happy or merry. So many of us are tired, right? Some of you come into this space like this, you're just tired. Maybe you're discouraged and just feeling all alone. Because here's the reality, often, we just kind of fake this appearance because we want a certain perception to be projected about who we are and yet it doesn't reflect our heart, does it? I was reading this 
little storybook last night to my boys, and uh, these two kids are interacting in the story, and the one is pretending to be something they aren't, and their friend says, you can do that? And he says, yeah, you can do that. Adults do it all the time. And I just started laughing, and my kids are like, why are you laughing? I go, nothing. Um, But that's the truth, isn't it? You guys, the the joy that we're talking about, the joy of the Christmas story, the joy that was brought through Jesus is something that transcends your circumstances. It transcends the drama. It transcends uh, right now what is discouraging you, what is holding you back, what is is causing you to just be tired and worn out. And, And here's how this joy is packaged. This joy comes from two things. This joy comes from where you place your hope, And it comes from how you understand the love of God. See, if you place your hope in something that can't bear the weight of it, you're not going to experience joy. Okay, so 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 many of us we uh, look for things to place our hope in. Uh, We will look at our health and we'll go, man, like uh, my hope is in my ability to stay healthy. The older you get, you realize, boy, that's not delivering. Uh, That's not holding weight. For some of us, we were uh, really alone, lonely. Someone came into our life and we're like, oh, thank goodness, I'm going to marry them. And I place my hope in that marriage. And yet we see over and over again, oftentimes that cannot carry the weight of all of your hope, can it? We think of our jobs, our careers, success. You can go down the line, our kids. And and there's all these moments where we go, I'm going to place my hope in that. And yet the weight of your hope, it cannot hold. Your hope and your joy are connected. You can't separate them. Secondly, this joy is the result of understanding and receiving God's love for you. Okay, here's here's the first point of this. Jesus' love for you, and I want you to really lean in on this. Jesus' love for you is unconditional. It's unconditional. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, this is what we read. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that not amazing? I mean, it just keeps going down the list of all of the things that cannot separate you from the love of God. And so if you're sitting in this room, uh, you need to know that your baggage doesn't disqualify you. Your past doesn't disqualify you. What you were doing earlier today doesn't disqualify you. How skeptical you are of God in this moment doesn't disqualify you from his love. Jesus still came to earth as a baby, lived a perfect life, still went to the cross for you because of this unconditional love that is not dependent on your worthiness or your goodness. And it's constant. But here's the other piece of God's love that we have to understand. God's love also overcomes. See, the Christmas story, when you look at it and unpack it, uh, you see that it's actually a rescue mission, don't you? See, he came for the very purpose of saving us. That's why he came. He loved you so much 
God loved you so much uh, that, we, that we literally see Jesus humbling himself to the point of, of being birthed into this world, of, of putting on this, this flesh and, 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 and being raised by, by peasants in an area of the world that, that wasn't ideal. No one spoke well of Galilee where he was raised. And Jesus grows up and he fulfills all of these prophecies that were prophesied about who he would be and what he would do. And ultimately, as he lives this perfect life, we see that he is put on a cross and killed for you and for me. Why did he die on that cross? He died on that cross for my and your, our sin, right? The things in our life that separate us from a perfect and holy God. And so he went on that cross and, and after they killed him, we see what? Three days later, he rises. And it's in that moment that you realize that this is a different love. This is a love that overcomes. See, when your hope is resting on the finished work of Jesus, you will have joy. And why, why will you have joy? Because it's rooted in what has already been accomplished the victory that has already taken place. And that's why when we talk about the birth of Jesus and we celebrate that, you can never really separate that from his death because he came to this earth for the very purpose of dying. And that's really uncomfortable sometimes for us to understand or even want to talk about, but that's how victory was won for you and for me. And because he was victorious, we have this incredible opportunity to tomorrow morning wake up and we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And as we celebrate tomorrow, however you celebrate, uh, for me, it's gonna be with my boys and I'm sure they're gonna be up way too early, but we're gonna get up and we're gonna celebrate. And because of this love that overcomes, how we celebrate tomorrow isn't a memorial service. It's not a celebration of life service for Jesus. No, it's an active celebration because he's alive and active in our lives right now, right? It, it overcame. So, so when he came, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, let's just celebrate the birth of Jesus and that's it, that's all, wow. He was the cutest baby in the history of mankind and now we have this celebration for him and everybody does it. Like, no, right? Something happened. And so you look at how he overcame. You look at how he's active right now. And when we sing and we say joy to the world, now we understand and know that wasn't just for a moment. That wasn't just for people back then. It's for you and I today. And in a second here, we're going to give you the opportunity to receive that joy. What we're also going to do today, which is, which is unique and different, uh, but it was incredible at the last gathering, is we're going to celebrate people who have received that joy, who have made that decision to ask Christ into their heart. They've, they've declared that he's their Lord and Savior, that they believe in him and his work. And, and we're gonna see people get baptized. And, and baptism, for those of you that don't know, baptism is just a picture of what's happened in their life. Baptism is a picture of the new life that they have in Jesus uh, through receiving him as their Lord and Savior. And so, you know, when you watch a baptism, you see people go down in the water, you're like, are they gonna pull them up? Yes, they pull them out of the water because uh, they don't stay in that spot, right? They come up, victory. 
And so it's a picture and a posture of victory. And as we're having this talk about joy, I don't know what greater picture to deliver for joy than someone coming out of the water baptism as they show you the, the transformation that's taken place in their life. Because it's a picture of their life before God, before receiving that joy, and that's why we take them back. And then as they come up, it's the new life through Jesus. It's that joy, it's that love that overcomes. So maybe you've wrestled with that. Maybe you have struggled finding joy, finding purpose, and all of these things you go, man, this is why my happiness is a roller coaster. You guys, in Matthew chapter two, the wise men, and, and, and we, we know about these wise men. You, you have, some of you have nativity scenes in your home and, and your kids are like, who are they? And you're like, they're wise men. And then your kids are like, well, why are there three of them? And you go, I don't know. I don't know, but just enjoy it. These wise men, they arrive because they've been following the star. And they, and, and they arrive in Jerusalem, right? The, the place that you would imagine everybody would know about the birth of Jesus. And they go into the city of Jerusalem. And they start asking, they say, hey, where is the Messiah? Where is the new king of Israel? Where is he at? We wanna, we've come to worship him. And, and, and the response they get is, who? Where? What? But we read, we read this ultimately in Matthew chapter two, verse nine, it says, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him, offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You guys, this is so important. They were looking for him when other people weren't. They were looking for him. My question is, are you? 